When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and good friend, Christopher Breffitt. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Excited to be here. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm good. We took a short break, and it's crazy because so did MCP with releases, except starting basically now for like the next two months or something, at least it's what it says online predicted. There can be a lot of models, man. You know, we've had no models for a while, and now they're just all coming in one go. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. Scarlet Witch just came out, which you know for me is like my number one of all these releases until the Spider-Foes come out. Quicksilver just came out and Mr. Sinister just came out, but that's it. Mm. You know, X-Force is still a little bit delayed. It's still coming, you know, but it's delayed. And then we've got like the craziness of Iron Fist, Luke Cage, all the Spider-Foes, Peter Parker, Black Cat, the list goes on. You know, we got a taco truck in there. We got a New York City apartment complex in there. There's so much coming out in the month of June. I mean, I can't even, frankly, even buy all of it. You know, we're going to have to choose our battles, unfortunately, but it's a good time to be an MCP player, I would say. It's great. And I am very excited for Iron Fist to come out so I can finally field my first iteration of the Scott team. (laughs) I love it. You're just going to like do one super cool play. Well, if you can pull that play off early enough, it could be game defining. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I still think there's that viability of that unsaid thing I mentioned about models like Danny and like Carnage. Very opposite of Luke Cage, who's just going to work every time, have amazing health and stats for what he is, but that's it. These Dannys and these Carnages we talked about coming out soon. Other player against you in the game is going to play differently against you if you have like a Carnage or a Danny on the table, because even when they're not doing their crazy thing, they're still on the board and they might do their thing. And it's a weird reverse control mind games with your opponent. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk more about that. So guys, stay tuned. We are going to do our 
news roundup again very soon when we get all this news. Of course, you know, there's been a lot of reveals recently that I want to talk so bad about. You know, we, we've got several cards like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, which are blowing my mind and Sinister and all these things. But we're going to let that build up and then we're going to do our full news roundup again because I think that was a big success when we did that last time and really gave Chris and I a lot of room to breathe and discuss those in full, but also keep our regular episodes in their full, you know, regular production format and not skimping on the lore or the strategy of the particular character of the week. So I've got a lot of thoughts there and I've got a lot of things I want to try, Chris, uh, specifically with Scarlet Witch and maybe Sinister now because he might do some weird, potentially amazing things in the game, like, uh, you know, bringing in a model that didn't exist in the game into the game in the late game. That can be amazing. Like a clone of Hawkeye. Just bring him out. Oh, man. I don't need more Hawkeye. <laughs> I'm sick of playing Hawkeyes. I'm just thinking about the impact of a, a Hawkeye coming in mid or late game. Is that worth it to take Sinister and do this, you know, pretty hard to pull off tactical combo with his cloning and all this stuff? I think it's a fun challenge. And what a neat game state. You know, you thought we were playing 17 threat, but I now I'm playing 20 with my Hawkeye that just came out and you're playing 17. That's crazy. I'm very much looking forward to him as well. And the model is just so good. Yeah, I think, Chris, you and I are both huge fans of this model. I know some people don't like him coming out of the cloning vat. I particularly love it. I love it, yeah. It's a nice change. And it's very evocative of, you know, Mr. Sinister in modern X mythology. Absolutely. But we're not here to talk about Sinister today, you know. We're here to talk about someone else because, Chris, we are now officially into our streets of New York, whatever we want to call it, phase. We we hinted at last week with Ghost Rider. That was kind of the prologue to this whole series. But I'm excited to start the series. I don't know about you. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm particularly looking forward to Daredevil. Of course. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun. I always like it when we get to stay in one kind of section of the Marvel Universe for a few episodes. Absolutely. So we're going to be obviously touching on a lot of Defenders, a lot of the Criminal Syndicate, and a couple characters that fit potentially in both, you know? And one of those characters is, in fact, our character today, Chris, which is the Punisher. And I think we've got a lot of cool things to talk about. I think we just got to get right into it. Let's do it. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Of course, our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show and like to see our show grow in the future, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We use this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. You guys are making the show happen. And a big, very special thank you this week to Paul E. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much, Paul. And of course, a huge thank you and shout out to our producer, Matthew R. Chris, let's get into lore. Well, like we were saying, today's going to kind of kick off this New York, mostly street level kind of thing. And who better to start with than one of the more complex characters in the Marvel Universe now? And it's not even on the page. It's kind of more how his image is used off the page, which is why you don't really have a Punisher series going on right now. But of course, we're talking about Frank Castle, the Punisher the anti-hero you know he was originally introduced as a bad guy that's gonna break good but has since just kind of become marvel's i almost want to say chaotic good 
character. Absolutely, yeah. Chris, it's kind of similar to last episode, Ghost Rider. We were talking about him being chaotic good at times, neutral at other times. You know, right. it's interesting. You know, and Castle's similar to that in some ways that we'll kind of get into, but he also tends to make more enemies. Let's be honest, man. Frank Castle's not a good dude. He's crazy. <laughs> He channels the crazy in good ways. No, sir. He's a murderer. (laughs) Um, His first appearance is in The Amazing Spider-Man number 129 in February 1974. He is conceived by Amazing Spider-Man writer at the time, Jerry Conway. And he was kind of designed by Conway as well. The little skull was emblazoned on the, I think, the left chest of the Punisher. In Conway's kind of doodles, but John Romita Jr. kind of blew that up and put it on the Kevlar armor, you know, in the big fashion that we know today. And Stan Lee contributed the name of the Punisher. Of course, like we kind of alluded to, the Punisher is, he has a few through lines with Ghost Rider, as a matter of fact. He's an anti-hero. He is hell-bent on vengeance and he's willing to use almost any means necessary and other than the two of them working together a few times that might be kind of where things and frank castle was born in queens to sicilian immigrant parents he would join the marines and later the navy seals he would have four tours of duty depending on what what era of punisher you're reading that will be the Middle East, that will be Vietnam, and also the, now I think he's from a, a fictitious war in the Southeastern Pacific. Of course, he, he excelled as a soldier. He was incredible, but after four tours of active duty, Frank decided to settle down and enjoy life with his beautiful wife, Maria, his daughter, Lisa, and his son, Frank Jr. So he took a job in New York as a as a special forces training officer. Unfortunately, on a family picnic, the family would stumble upon a mafia hit, and because they were witnesses, they would all be killed. Of course, Frank would survive and exact his revenge and become the Punisher, now hell-bent on punishing criminals because he couldn't trust the court system or the police to not be corrupt, so he's taking care of himself. And of course, because this is from a place of vengeance, he will murder. You know, that's not a big thing in the uh, Marvel Universe. The heroes just do not take kindly. Well, and Chris, you could say on this like street-level discussion we're having, this is something we might see going forward with a lot of these characters, but superpowers. You talked about murder. <laughs> you talked about he's really good at combat. These are more his superpowers, right? As far as, I guess, mortal humans go frank is on the upper end of trained yep he's a very accomplished spec ops operative he is highly skilled in all manner of combat weaponry not just skilled in the use of but the maintenance of but not only that he's trained in several forms of martial arts but he has some help from a technology guru named microchip Microchip supplies him with, you know, mythical battle van, which is empowered by all kinds of mythical technology. 
plot-powered technology. You know, so it's whatever he really needs. But, of course, later on, Microchip will go away, replaced by his son, and then gone permanently. And the latest iteration of Frank has him more on his own. Uh, he kind of has a cop sidekick buddy, but uh, that we'll get to that more in the uh, recommended reading. Or you will, because you better read that. I will do it. You better. It's that Greg Rucka, uh that yeah. series that I, I read recently that uh, I, right. I was really impressed with. So, of course, given Frank's extreme tendencies, he really is good at making enemies. He's got a lot of super villain enemies and super hero enemies. Chief among them, I would say, is probably Daredevil. And how often those two come into kind of uneasy alliances is always a fun thing. Well, you talked about chaotic good, you know, and the way Daredevil leans a lot of the time, of course, is not chaotic good. (laughs) So they have interesting interactions there. Well, they absolutely do. And Daredevil is one of the chief among the Marvel heroes that kind of embraces this no murder kind of ideal, always trust the courts and, you know. So after taking revenge on the Costa family for the murder of his family, Frank embraces this role as the Punisher, and he continues to seek justice for those who have yet to be avenged, not just the big players, everyone involved. And he kept journals of each one of his vendettas. And of course, these journals are the Punisher War Journal volumes we get, which are, you know, very cool. Almost all of them are at least fun. Hmm. So there are a few instances that I, I, I that I really do want to touch on. Frank has kind of an interesting history in comics with his graphic nature and, and, and subject matter kind of in the background sometimes. He's been incredibly popular at times. But a lot of his stories, while they can be excellently written, there's not a ton that changes the character, but there's there's a few that do. And one of them I just love, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, is by Rick Remender. And it is when Frank Castle is literally killed and torn to pieces by Dakin, Logan's son. Frank is stitched back together and brought back to life by Morbius, where he is dubbed Frankencastle, and he is the protector and avenger for this group of mutants and outcasts and kind of B-horror movie monsters living below New York. I just absolutely adore that. And the other I am a big fan of with, and I found very interesting with Frank, is during Secret Empire. So when the Cosmic Cube kind of rewrites history, it it rewrites things in, in such a way that Frank... So looking up to Captain America, when Captain America breaks bad and and goes and does this Hydra thing in this rewritten history, Frank follows him. And during this time, Frank thwarts a couple of missions that would eliminate this, this evil Captain America, and he will later refer to it as the greatest mistake he's ever made. But I just I found it very interesting with the character following that flawed Captain America, that little bit of flawed logic that allowed Hydra Captain America to exert that kind of power and and singularly kind of absolute power over an entire country, how easily Frank was kind of bent towards that kind of authoritarian lean. And I just, I, I love that. 
Okay, so Chris, we got to get into the movies with the Punisher. And I say the movies because this is another one of the situations where we have a character who's not officially in the MCU yet, but they are in other Marvel film and show content. So that, of course, is the Punisher. And his first appearance was not the 2004 Thomas Jane Punisher that first comes to mind. It was the 1989 movie called The Punisher with the actor Dolph Ludgren. He is the actor in Rocky. We all know who Dolph Ludgren is. Come on. We all know him. We're nerds. We got to talk about his most iconic roles before this because, of course, you know, things like Rocky landed him movies like this Punisher. Interestingly enough, Chris and I, neither one of us have seen this movie and I'd like to. I would also like to. I know a big thing with this movie, Chris, that was strange. And I think this is, you know, this is a typical studio stuff where they're just riding the line of not going too comic-y or not going too full movie, like standard drama movie or whatever. But I know one of the things this movie is infamous for is that he never actually dons the skull on his outfit ever. He's just in black, black clothes. As annoying as that is. It was 89, and (laughs) I don't think we can complain too much because that kind of late 80s, early 90s actually gave us some kind of good comic book movies compared to what we got later. Oh, absolutely. Blade comes to mind, you know, if you're talking about this era in particular, like, you know, very early 90s or very late 80s. The Keaton Batmans are good. Oh, of course. But Dolph, of course, playing the Punisher is interesting enough. Of course, if you look this movie up, it looks stereotypically late 80s. You know, I think they really just wanted to use the Punisher name to create a dark action film. But, you know, worth checking out, Chris. We might do that sometimes. But, of course, you know, you jump ahead many years, you know, 15 years, in fact, and you'll get to 2004's The Punisher, same name. Of course, that's Thomas Jane playing The Punisher. This is what most people know the cinematic Punisher as. And, of course, strangely enough, they did a sequel four years later, and it was not played by Thomas Jane. It was Ray Stevenson, completely different actor, different movie entirely, just clearly a cash grab, I'm assuming here, you know, very strange. And that's Punisher Warzone. I haven't seen that one either. I've seen bits. What I saw was not good. It was not good. Maybe we should watch that one too. The Punisher with Thomas Jane has its moments, but it's, it's also arguably not the best. You know, what's interesting, Chris, is like, if you put all these movies next to the Ghost Rider movies on Rotten Tomatoes. The Ghost Rider movies come out on top. <laughs> so I guess that answers what our next watch along is. None of these are incredibly high scores, and that's okay. <laughs> but I think you're right, Chris. Are you talking about our next commentary series? Uh-huh. Maybe some of these, yeah, these street level characters, there's a lot of good content here. Or we could just go Ghost Rider. We should just do that. That could be fun. Nick Cage I think is we always just fun. Do it. So, Chris, that of course leads us all the way to 2015 so 2008 2015 and of course 2015 to basically now one actor has played the punisher and that's john bernthal originally on the netflix daredevil series and then of course he got his own punisher series what a way to introduce the character number one in daredevil and then number two for him to have his own series which actually is his entire backstory Mm -hmm. very well done but i think we got to talk about bernthal we just have to. I know you agree with me here, so I'm just throwing this out for the listener. As far as Fury's Finest goes, we think Bernthal might be the best casting, period. Just say it, yeah. In the entire MCU. That's not just the Netflix street-level stuff, which mm-hmm. is clearly the best thing that came out of that. Sure, of the mains, yeah. I'm talking all the way through. It's true, all of it. And the, the Netflix series have you know many faults, 
very good at the time, especially the Daredevil ones. Uh, and the Punisher one was was just as good as any of the Daredevil series. But don't forget that season one of Jessica Jones. Oh no, that and Luke Cage are both good. Iron Fist is the only one that wasn't. <laughs> it's true. But you know that they, they, I feel like they kind of all suffer from a, a lack of bigger vision, or maybe it was just budget. Probably both, in some ways. But John Bernthal's casting, I mean, you came out with that hot take, Chris, that I agree with completely. We've talked about on this show time and time again, and we have time to do a little bit more of discussion today because we try to always hold back. But there's just certain actors that have been absolutely perfect from day one. And there's other actors that kind of became the character over time. You Mm -hmm. know, there's actors that were perfect from day one, you know, comes to mind. My mind immediately is Tom Holland, you know, the new Spider-Man. That kid is Peter Parker through and through. I mean, he literally flipped into his audition because he was a really accomplished gymnast (laughs) and a Spider-Man fanboy. And just the combination of his physicality and his, you know, his eagerness and, you know, his energy and all these things, plus his incredible acting, incredible American accent. That kid's been Spider-Man since day one. But really, all these things we talk about, Chris, it's, it's a level of more than just do they look like the character? Can they be the character? There is a level of essence too. And it's a, it's kind of an intangible thing. And I think John Bernthal might have not only obviously incredible acting chops, an incredible actor, but he has the intangible essence, I think, of this character. I'm going to be very offended that Punisher's ever recast <laughs> because I think it's just a mistake at this point. I would definitely agree, though. That's just such a tough call because if you, if you bring back Burnfall. Bring back Charlie Cox Daredevil. Yeah, but then are you locked into bringing back all of that cast? Right. I don't want all of that cast. Hmm. I do not want all of that cast at all. I know you don't, but I don't know. I think you can bring mains back without bringing side characters, but that's an interesting discussion for another time. But I do think this essence of the Punisher of Frank Castle, Burnthal has it, and he's had it before he even played the Punisher. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those things like him playing Shane on The Walking Dead or even going back further in his career, like he's played in a lot of military films and shows. You know, he's been on shows like The Pacific and stuff. He is these characters really well. Like he he's a very believable soldier for starters, you know, which is obviously integral to the Punisher's character. That's what Frank is. He's right. He's a soldier. At this point he's a soldier for justice and his own demented version of it and this soldier of vengeance but he is a soldier. He gave himself that mission at the failure of the system to bring his family's killers to justice, and that's been his mission since. And, you know, that's that's part of what's cool about the character is that just that grit and determination and that he is a soldier. He is a grunt more than just a soldier. That's true. He's a combat leader, but he's not, you know, an overall tactician you know, leading entire armies and and worrying about logistics and supply chains. Uh, He is a soldier and Bernthal captures that so well. Yeah. Especially a soldier with like PTSD and of course, trauma of of his Uh, family, all these things, right? Yeah. And I, I think he captured that kind of grit and determination in the same way that Hugh Jackman captured that especially in logan it's pronounced in logan but that's clearly the best film of of all of these films we talk about but he captured that grit (laughs) and determination and that never say die attitude Mm -hmm. that wolverine has and castle has that as well i think that's why 
Castle and Wolverine can work together every once, every so often. Right. Both actors just absolutely capture that part of the of those two characters, and it's just very impressive. Yeah, I, I want a grit and a determination, and obviously, and crazy ability to fight and kill and all these things. Oh yeah, that we know so well about these characters, you know, namely Logan and the Punisher. When an actor delivers that too, and then they have that unspoken essence even when they're not talking obviously that's a huge element then you add great acting on top of that and you add great like body presence and you know body language and all this stuff it gets real man and Bernthal you know he's been in some great films doing great roles that are not leading man roles and I think they all just led to him getting this Punisher job and you know it's some of those things like I know people maybe saw the Thomas Jane 2004 Punisher but they kind of forgot it never read Punisher comics never read Marvel comics and they were talking to me being like I'm watching this Punisher show with Bernthal and I'm like I get why people are intrigued by this character and wow this is really compelling and really dark story, you know, about this character's origins. And, you know, they obviously take some twists and turns with Netflix show as well. It's its own universe. Yeah. yeah. Bring Kingpin into the thing is perfect too. There's a lot of factors here, but Bernthal has to be Punisher in my mind at this point. And, you know, Chris, there's people that are on the same level casting wise as Bernthal as Punisher, but like kind of you alluded to. And like I said, some of these actors grew into these roles, you know, Paul Bettany is the vision he really grew into that role and owned it and just he is the vision now no one else is the vision and that is something in its own right you know but bernthal is one of those guys like i don't want anyone else because just him like silent on screen he's more frank castle than anyone i could picture in my mind you know Mm -hmm. there's something to that you know this is a more nuanced character in the way of it's not so much do they look like the character, you know, do they act like the alter ego of the character we know so well, you know, Robert Downey comes to mind as great casting for that. It's a different thing entirely, and Chris kind of nailed it. This grit, this determination, this sort of whatever means he'll go to the ends, right? To get to the ends. Mm-hmm. Stubbornness is part of it, but also like he also has nothing to lose, you know? Oh no, in his own mind, he's already a dead man. Take Batman, make him less rich, add a lot more trauma, and add a military background <laughs> instead of a ninja background, and then Batman breaks his one rule constantly. I mean, you got it's just a very different character on your hands here, you know? <laughs> like a vigilante who murders. It's interesting you bring up Batman because in, in the peak of Punisher's kind of popularity in the late 80s and early 90s, he did a crossover with Batman. There is a Batman Punisher comic out there. Of course there is. Of course. It's very good stuff. Yeah. They are birds of a similar feather, you know? Similar. They've got some big things, you know? But the things they do to criminals, Chris, the things they do to criminals are pretty extreme, you know? The joke with Batman is always like, he doesn't break his one rule, but also you might not walk the rest of your life, you know? Or even speak. You can compare all these things. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I think Bernthal, of course, is a perfect choice. And I want to see him in the MCU in the future, even if they just return to the Netflix series, you know, because Netflix, there's been a lot of talks of Netflix and Disney, Marvel and all these things working together and, and figuring things out where they want to go next. And I, I say, give them time, you know, let them, let them figure it out. Well, there's too much money on the table not to figure it out. Of course. And they always will make the money. Exactly. So Chris, just 
summarizing, we did a good summary of Punisher without even announcing our category here, but summarizing the character to close out our lore here, we talked about him being a soldier. We talked about his grit. We talked about his trauma and his PTSD. We talked about him losing his family and him basically being close to death. And, you know, there's parallels here with Ghost Rider, but Ghost Rider is always chained, literally chained to this commitment, you know, but Punisher, it's like, he's just living hour by hour, day by day. And it's self-induced, you know, on top of that. Right. He got the guys that murdered his family. He's continued, you know, from there. (laughs) Right. Any other closing thoughts on him? I mean, I I do think it's interesting that you mentioned that he's a mortal man, but he is, of course, dramatically more trained in every form of combat and and weapon than a normal man. Yeah, I want to say he's like the LeBron James of killing. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah. He's just built for it. Yeah. And incredibly dedicated and skilled. Absolutely. I'm not taking anything away from LeBron. So closing out our lore section, Chris, we got to hear some cool Punisher comic book recommendations for the listener to check out. So there are a few basics here with the Punisher that everyone has to read. So, of course, Garth Ennis's Punisher in the Max series is always going to be one that you have to read when you're talking about Frank Castle. But I've got a few others that I really would like people to check out. The first, and I feel most important of these, mm. is, I'm not sure which volume it is, but it's it's the Punisher series from 2014. It's by writer Nathan Edmondson. Edmondson's fantastic. It's fantastic. He's one of my favorite new writers. Never going to not recommend Rick Remender if I can. And I'm going to recommend Rick Remender's Punisher. And of course, that's going to bleed into the kind of Frankencastle. Of course. Those are my top recommendations. Yeah, I just love the uh, Frankencastle idea as well. It's just so fun. And it fits the character really well. And, you know, a lot of the places the character crosses, you know, we talked about what's interesting about this series and, you know, things like Blade in the future, Chris, like where these characters cross at different places happens in different ways than like some of the Avengers and stuff. Right. It's obvious. I mean, they're all part of the same universe, but Ghost Rider is doing a little bit different things, you know, than other characters, at least in their main storylines, you know. Absolutely. Which is interesting. All right, Chris. Well, that's it for lore. So we got to move on to Punisher and Marvel Crisis Protocol. Let's get over to strategy. So his name is the Punisher, of course, and his alter ego is Frank Castle. On his healthy side, he has six stamina. He's a medium move, a height of two, and a threat cost of three. His defenses are three physical, three energy, and three mystic. And on his injured side, Chris, his health goes down to five, giving him a total of 11 health. Any thoughts about this Punisher stat line? Because it looks pretty normal for a three threat. Right. These three threats are always the hardest one to pull a thought out of. They're just so often kind of chalk, you know. He's not five and five, so. That's nice. The six is interesting. I like 11 health over 10, for sure. And I like that health front-loaded, too. front load is always interesting. It's another reason why Deadpool is going to be so interesting very soon. Yeah. I like early game, though. The so. switch of these things. Yeah, he's completely normal. For a three threat, his only advantage over the average stat line for a three threat is a little bit of extra health. And that's that's a good thing. I think his defenses are correct. So we're just going to go through his attacks because he does have two and he likes to attack because he's the Punisher. His first attack is a physical attack called hip fire. It is range three, a strength of only four 
but a power cost of zero. This is not a strike. This is a little bit different. This is after this attack is resolved, the Punisher gains one power. So after it's resolved, of course, after all dice effects and everything, you just gain one power. Even if you didn't deal damage or you did deal damage, it's just going to be one power. But it has the keyword rapid fire. After this attack is resolved, this character may make one additional hip fire attack. The additional attack must target the original target character, and the additional attack does not have the rapid fire special rule. So we've seen this before, Chris, with Black Widow, Agent of Shield. We're seeing it again. It's four dice twice. So we've always talked about four dice not being that great. It's actually the worst dice pool in this game. When you go up to five, a lot of things change. When you go up to six, even more things change, more than just adding a dice or two. But four dice twice is actually pretty good. And you know, the main reason you do this, Chris, is this is a way you can read this and basically say, well, if I don't deal any damage, no matter what, I'm getting two power because I'm shooting twice. Right. And not dealing damage with a, a four dice pool happens more often than you'd like. Right. Like with a Wong's strike. Mm-hmm. Wong's is a strike. So this is a lot it's better. Tough. And this is range three, which is respectable. You know, physical's always tough because it's the most represented defense in the game. But of course... There's a reason for that. Like, there's more physical attacks in the game, and you know, there's right. more physical superhero powers like bullets or like punching. And you know, range three is respectable, and hip fire is nice, Chris. I mean, that's guaranteeing two power. If you hip fire twice as your two actions, I mean, you just gained four power, and you could spend it on a tactics card. And you threw 16 dice. That's not bad. It's not bad. His next attack is a physical attack. It is aimed shot. It is range five, strength seven, and a power cost of three. On a wild, you will trigger Pierce. Pierce, of course, changes one of the defending character's criticals, wilds, or block results to a blank. And if this attack deals damage, after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the stun and slow Special condition. Seven dice, you're probably going to get at least one through. Range five. Mm-hmm. Oof. You know, I love Pierce. If Pierce is in a game, I love it. Pierce is always strong in any game. We know this. And then, of course, Chris, yeah, like, you're probably going to get one damage through probably more. So auto stun and slow is nice because notice there's not a wild trigger or anything. It's just get a damage through. Slow is huge. That's two conditions that like you're going to have to shake those off. Absolutely. Slow is one of the strongest abilities in the game, Chris, if you target a long mover, of course. But I mean, even mm. if you target a medium mover, it's still strong. But like Black Panther with a slow is completely debilitated, going from one of the strongest characters in the game at his threat level to now he's got a huge problem, you know. But I love this idea that Punisher's hip firing with his rifle, and then he's taking an aimed sniper shot at range five. I just think it's so thematic of the character, and it's it's strong. I mean, Chris, you're going to have power with Punisher. Like, if you round one, you're gaining one power from the power phase, you can hit fire once, you're going to get two power, and then you could aim shot on somebody else. That's that's a decent action economy if you got that hit fire off. If you can get that hit fire off, the potential to be handing out those status conditions second round, that's ridiculous it's good but chris i think we got to move on to his superpowers because they're pretty cool and they're very flavorful for the punishers actually we're going to talk about his innate superpower first because his innate superpower is 
kind of essential to these other ones. And then I'll jump right into the first one after that. So he has an innate superpower called the fallen. When another allied character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect. So remember an enemy effect is an attack, a throw, something that deals damage from an enemy effect. This character gains a punishment token. This character may have a maximum of three punishment tokens at any given time. And then of course, his first active superpower is no more second chances, causes zero power. Discard one to three punishment tokens. During the next attack made by this character this turn, add one die to its attack roll for each punishment token that was discarded. This superpower can be used only once per turn. What do you think about, first of all, allies getting KO'd and dazed getting punishment tokens which is nice and then you can just add them to these hip shots or you can add them to these aim shots and give yourself more dice it's a fun effect i think it's especially good in in wide lists of course in using those punishment tokens on aim shot just to make sure a 10 dice that can be absolutely devastating on a team that kind of hinges on long movers as your scoring threats oh absolutely Or in my case, when I see that MODOK on that flip side where he only has, you know, Mm. the low health pool and he has horrible physical defense, Frank Castle, take the shot on that giant head across the map and just get him out of here. That's why you're a better player than I am. I didn't even think about it. Well, we don't see a lot of Punisher in the game right now. I don't think it's because he's bad. I just think people are forgetting about him, you know? But I think him killing a MODOK is a good place for him. I was going to say, he might not be a bad idea as just an anti-MODOK piece. Hey, man, we got to try things, you know? We got to bring out the theme, too. I'm down to try this in our next game. Let's do it. His next superpower is an active superpower. It is called Spec Ops Training. It will cost two power. The Punisher advances short. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Two power for short is pretty good. Moving without taking action is nice. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. You're obviously going to use this in conjunction with hip fires. It, it's just made for that, Chris. It's it's pretty awesome Like that you could like start a turn with a Punisher, hip fire, get the two auto power, maybe deal some damage to an opponent. Then you could pay two for spec ops training and get to a better position and then hit fire on someone else, you know, and get two power and then, you know, spend it on a tactics card or, you know, save it for next turn. There's a lot of things. I'm a big fan of that. Obviously, if you've also got five power, you could spec ops training into range five sniping range and get that target you want to get without taking a move action. And then you can maybe move action back to where you were capping that objective. It's very strong. You know, you just got to think about it in those terms where it's like, how can I like perform attacks with Punisher, but also score on objectives, right? That's what's cool about these like movement things. This is why a lot of characters don't have things like this, Chris, because it's too strong on certain characters, you know? Interesting. You're really making me rethink my not using Punisher. You know, at worst, he's a guy giving you points on an objective. And when people come in, he can start shooting, you know? And I, I think that's very viable in MCP. But at best, He's doing a lot of cool things. And the next cool thing is my favorite thing the Punisher has. It's an active superpower called Warzone. It does cost three power, which is very pricey. And it is an action. So this would be one of your two actions on your Punisher turn. Action. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less. Love it. Within range four of Frank Castle, the Punisher. 
enemy characters within range one of the terrain, as in all enemy characters, suffer two damage. The terrain feature is destroyed and removed from the battlefield. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So you couldn't blow up two pieces of terrain in one turn. You have to wait till the next turn. Say you had six power. Chris, this is guaranteed damage. And this is also taking terrain off the battlefield. You know, that might be given somebody line of sight protection. Maybe you're playing against Magneto, you know? Best case scenario. Just taking away terrain from him. Yep. That's true. Also, Punisher on Magneto's team can blow up terrain, then the Brotherhood affiliation can trigger and Magneto can pass out power to your team. I don't want to think about Magneto's team right now. (laughs) I'm focused on my Scott team. It's true. This is my question. Is Punisher a viable candidate for my, my Scott team bag? He's probably not terrible because in a weird way, you're probably not going to be doing a lot of Scott team things to feed the Punisher a bunch of power, but also hip fire is a completely consistent way to always generate power where he could pass it around on the Scott team. So I think there's while a chance. Also scoring while also having a range five attack that can help deal with someone. Absolutely. And then of course know, man. the Scott team, like, you know, I don't know if the Punisher's the fallen punishment tokens are gonna come into play with that much, but mm, good point. you know, if they're killing people on Scott's team, which they obviously want to do, and the Scott's team's getting more power that Scott's team can pass around, he's getting punishment tokens. I mean, there there is a, a magical thing here, you know, if it all fell into place. There's an idea here, yeah. There's there's a spark. Now, Warzone is cool and Two guaranteed damage to all enemies within range one is very powerful, but it is range one. It's limited there. You know, it's not like when Danny does his dragon punch, it's going to be everyone within range three. Are you kidding me? Like, we just have to keep talking about this, but I love that thing. Paying three power to blow up a piece of terrain and dealing everyone around it to auto damage. It could win you the game, Chris. And guess what? It has won me the game before. Because anytime my opponent's not rolling defense dice, that is very powerful. Very true. And like, say it's late game and like a Hawkeye, which is pretty common sitting on a back objective, right? And he's been sniping all game. He's been scoring on a back objective, but he's taking some damage. He's in, you know, Hawkeye's a low health guy. What if there's just a piece of terrain close to Hawkeye and you're like, well, this isn't the highest value, right? To get, a bunch of damage to a bunch of enemies but also if hawkeye takes two damage right now he's just ko'd and not scoring on that anymore is it worth punisher paying the three power yes you know what i mean (laughs) so these are situations you gotta be looking for this stuff you know it's not always like the perfect oh there's a rocket and a groot and a star lord and you know rocket's super low health and groot's hurt and star lord's health is normal for three threat but i mean i'm gonna deal them all two damage with the giant swing. Well, that is a huge swing against guardians and very powerful against them. But like, sometimes you just got to think of what I pay three power to deal two auto damage to one or two characters. And the answer is probably yes. And what's interesting about this, Chris is of course we know how MCP works. Like it's a size three building and a bunch of people are standing on it. Well, of course they're all range one of that building because they're standing on it. And that's considered closer than range one in the way of MCP rules. So that's cool too. You know, you got to think about buildings differently. I'm glad you brought up the building thing here because it's it's not uncommon. I'd say it's almost more common than not that, especially when you're playing on a, like a TTS, that your objective tokens are going to be on at least one is going sure. to be on top of a size three building, correct, or smaller. So thinking about using this ability kind of as a zone control, yes, to kind of keep an objective clear or just the threat of using it on a on an injured character 
Oh, absolutely. It could be very powerful. Well, once again, like similar things I've said to like Doctor Strange and, and Hulk and these things in the past, like Punisher's really strong on the objectives where everybody's clumped up for obvious reasons because he can just keep hit shotting over and over again. But also, hopefully there's some terrain close to those middle up, straight up Main Street objectives and he can just blow up a car and mm-hmm. turns out everybody's in the gamma shelter because they want to score on it and they don't know how to get hurt by the gamma waves. But also there's a car nearby and I, he just dealt two damage to everybody in that gamma shelter. That's not uncommon. You know, that's a size two terrain feature, you know? So there's a lot of cool things here. I'm a big fan. You know, it's pretty cool that like it's a size three, two or one. So like you could even blow up that lamppost that just happens to be range one of Hawkeye, my example earlier, and just daze him or KO him, you know, like you've got to think about in the, you know, not necessarily value always, just more like what can Frank do? And like if late game, if Frank's around, you've been playing him right, you've been spending a lot of fallen tokens and just doing more damage, but also, you know, spend the power right and start blowing stuff up late game. And can we talk about the theme of this Punisher ability? Because this is like when he really really means business towards the end of things that's when things start blowing up i had this wonderful thought in my mind of you know the teammates are going down and it's just punisher behind a car just reloading and continuing to fire that's just that's just who he is yeah he's gonna be there till the end he's not leaving and he was fueled by that right like someone just going down by him well you now gave him a token and he's his next Mm -hmm. gunshot's going to be more damage and you know i will say with his fallen tokens his punishment tokens but of course the innate ability is called the fallen don't be scared to use them it's better to use them than to hold on to them right and then just not use them enough i mean it's one of those things exactly like i said with hella's tokens where it's like it actually feels really bad as punisher to have three and you hold on to them because you're like i don't need it for this and then the rest of the round, two more characters get dazed. And turns out Frank doesn't go up to five. He's capped at three, yeah. right? I think if you've got two or three, it's always worth spending one or two. And just kind of keep that little economy going, but also just keep some consistency with your damage. And like Chris said, just make that aim shot count and take that MODOK out maybe, you know? That'd be nice. It's very exciting. Chris, that's it for Punisher's card. Of course, I mentioned on his injured side, he has one less health, but all his abilities are exactly the same. So, you know, listener at home, if you were just following along with us, you know, his card on the back is exactly the same as his front, just one less health. So we're going to move on to his one and only tactic card. So it's called Blood Red and Personal. It's unaffiliated, which is great. So you can always take with Punisher when he's in any list. It's a reactive tactics card. During the power phase, an allied Punisher may spend four power to play this card. So, of course, you're going to gain one power at the start of the power phase. So you would have had to have three at the start of the power phase before this or, you know, four or something. But you spend four at the power phase. So you really got to know when to do this at the start of a round. Can be easy to miss. Each time an enemy character is KO'd this round, not dazed, KO'd, the Punisher's controlling player gains one VP. This is pretty cool, Chris, but this is tough. Very tough. But, man, you just think of the dream, right? It's Gamma Shelters. Yep. Everybody's teed up. You took this card because you're a wild man. Yeah, you paid the four power at the start of the round. Yeah, you pay the four power, and then you use three more power, and then bam! Snipe somebody. You just win the game. Yeah, if you could get that point that would take you over the edge, or, you know, in a perfect dream scenario, Chris, like say he's really fed on power, maybe he got flipped, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know... You just pay this for the start of the round. First thing you do, hip shot on somebody who's weak, you know, get two more power back. So, and then now you just war zone and hopefully guarantee a kill on somebody that's two health away and gain a VP. And now you've still got one action left. You could potentially hip fire again, 
right? And shoot someone else. Or take that sniper shot, man. Ooh. It's all there if you have the power, you know? Which is why he's a great candidate for the Scott team. <laughs> See, you were just thinking of him as a generator when, in fact, right. he could be my secret weapon. He could be the star of the show. Sorry, Scott. It's not you. It's Punisher. No, but this is super cool, oh. Chris. This is the Black Order affiliation for Punisher for one round. Oh, yeah. Very tough because it's one round. Very tough because it's four power. Now, I will say, as listeners of the podcast probably have been hearing me talk about more recently since my episode with Omnis, but I have fallen in love with the Battle Realm format, that pick and ban phase. And I think cards like this really live in that format, and they obviously really live in casual kitchen tabletop play it's like chris if you and i just were going to play a game and i just wanted to play punisher i'm taking this card you know i'm just doing it but you know maybe not in a tournament setting with your only eight cards but in battle realm after the ban and pick phase of both players you pull out the entire tactics deck and just choose five cards you want so if punisher made it through your picks and bans this is when these singular named cards i think are really truly powerful and great in that format, you know, in that Battle Realm format, because, you know, you take some generic good cards you like for your whole team, and then you take a couple name cards or take like an affiliation card, like a Brotherhood card or something like for the Brotherhood, because you can, like, you have access to that whole tactics deck. You have access to like, say all those Brotherhood cards and you you laser focus the one you want, you know? And I think this card is a good candidate for that, if that makes sense. Well, first I just, Battle Realm, we have to get a game in soon. Yeah, we have a history of playing MOBAs together. It's very evocative of that. That is how we met, as a matter of fact. But this card is just one of those fun ones to try to pull off. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's it's not super viable for a tournament. But I don't know, maybe you get good with it. And it's a great uh, little little, um, surprise pick that someone won't expect or something. I don't know. Probably not. But if you can in a casual game, and you just kind of want to feature Frank, and you want to set this up, take this card, have fun, see what you can do with it, learn the limits, you know? Absolutely. No, I think it's completely viable, Chris, and if you have an attrition list, like, this might be a card and a character I try on a team coming up very soon. And that leads us right into teams. A very fun part of the strategy section, which we always try to give you guys our thoughts on teams and, and and some of my ideas I have and, you know, break out of the box of the competitive meta or, you know, maybe your local meta and all these things. So where does Punisher fit? So first things first is we look at what teams he's affiliated with and we kind of go from there. Well, there's a crazy thing, Chris, with Punisher, which has never happened on this podcast yet. He is the first character we have covered in this game that is affiliated with no team, zero teams. Oh, so perfect. <laughs> I love AMG. I love their attention to lore and mechanics together. Me too. Yes. Now, Chris, here's the thing. If he was affiliated with a lot of teams, he might be too strong in some ways. It's very interesting. 100%. It's tough. That not being affiliated with any teams is is kind of what got him some of these powers that are oh, yeah. a little bit more than you expect from a three drop. Right. Like, he can make bigger plays than Hawkeye, though Hawkeye can deal very consistent damage as a three threat, though, as a ranged attacker. So there's interesting balances with these different characters. What's interesting is that Punisher is on no team because Frank Castle is on no team. And I love that commitment to that, but it makes building him on teams a lot harder. And I think it's why we don't see him as much as some of the other ranged characters. 
you know, particularly the other three threat ranged characters like Hawkeye, like many others we've talked about in the past, like Shuri. But I think he's viable, Chris. I just think you've got to be a little bit more creative. And that's what we like to do on Furious Finest. We like to be more creative. We like to lean into the narrative. So let's talk about places he fits. Number one, you've got that core set. He fits in Cabal, Chris, pretty well. Because oh yeah, when the Cabal deal damage, they get an extra power on top of potentially the damage they got from like a strike or an attack or something that might give them power. But when damage gets through, they get one power. This is pretty cool with Punisher. He's got hip shot. He's got this aim shot. He's got ways to get power. So he's obviously a good Cabal member. I also think if you want to go all in on this attrition strategy, there's two teams in the game that are attrition based only two really you could say brotherhoods attrition based too but i would say they're attrition and ramp and the pure attrition teams of course that's what i'm saying is just wiping your opponent of course are the black order and soon to be the spider foes when they get all their pieces we're assuming especially with carnage so i also think that punisher if you've got the threat fits with the black order and he fits with the spider foes because they like to kill things he likes to kill things And when his team members get dazed and KO'd, he gets more punishment tokens to kill more things. Mm -hmm. And he's also a good back capper. We talked about this before. At his worst, he's sitting at the back objective and then occasionally spec ops up, taking a sniper shot and then moving back to continue scoring that. In late game, obviously, when everybody moves in, he's going to get more hip shots. He's going to get more war zones off. He's going to get more sniper shots off. But even just early game, if all he's doing is scoring your back, objective that's fine for those attrition teams like black order and spider foes because you know they've got to score points too you know i just think he's wonderful in that role i prefer him to hawkeye on a personal and existential level sure. at least in this game i don't know what it is about the uh <laughs> mcp hawkeye it just doesn't scream to me i love hawkeye i think you fought him a lot know, against various opponents i think he's whipped my butt a lot is the problem he's conditioned you out that's 100 percent what it is you you got it i kind of love the punisher in this in that role mm-hmm. mostly because i just really love aimed shot i just think that is fantastic yeah if you've got a corvus glaive in someone's face and they're doing a bunch of damage and someone needs to take them over the edge punisher could probably do it which is cool or you know i mean you could always death decree Thanos where you buff up your allies attacks <laughs> and you can make Punisher's sniper Ooh. shot do more things. I've done it before with Rocket. It's very satisfying to do a big attack with Rocket, you know, from from range on the Black Order. I've had a lot of success with that as well. But attrition list, he fits there. I think he'll be a decent spider foe for this very reason, Chris, because of course the spider foe's affiliation, you pay one power to make your opponent re-roll one defense dice. That couldn't matter with Punisher, you know, getting the killing blow. Mm. It couldn't matter if he has the power to make them spend that so i think those are obvious places now let's talk about some of the places that he's shown up on these teams before in the past occasionally and it's worked and you know this is mcp this is why the game is so great he's obviously a decent avenger because you know spec ops and Warzone <laughs> for one less are fine <laughs> they're good there's not many characters that aren't decent avengers Sorry, in this game you're, you're one of the only ones <laughs> yeah for real right it's very sad for Scott Lang, but yeah, I mean, Spec Ops for one less, Warzone for one less. Okay, we're talking here. That's pretty strong. Now, the question is, is like, are there times you're going to take him over a Black Widow agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and a Hawkeye who are affiliated or even an Iron Man? There's a lot of things. It's just what you want to play, you know, but if you've got the room for your affiliation, say you're playing five wide 
in one mission. So you've got your cap, you've got two more affiliated. Well, now you can get a, a Punisher and someone else if you want, and you're you're still gonna have your offenders. Obviously in the same mindset, Chris, of, of more power is more economy and, and is good, you know, in line with Avengers and Cabal where he's just getting more power, he's netting economy in some way. A-Force is the same way. When She-Hulk's taking that damage, she can pass power off to Punisher and he can ramp up and potentially do more aim shots and do more war zones late game. You know, A-Force is good, for power ramp. So that's fine. Now there's other teams in the game. You know, there's plenty of teams like the criminal syndicate. He's probably fine. there, sitting on a back objective counting as two and he occasionally takes shots, but he's not screaming to be there. But I think my little bit more exciting and spicy place I've played Punisher and really enjoyed it. And Chris, you alluded to this earlier is a super wide guardians of the galaxy list. I had a feeling. Now, anyone that's listening to the show is no stranger to the thought that I love the Guardians, I love all the characters, I love the team in MCP, even though they're clearly one of the weaker teams in the game competitively. I've, you know, had some really fun games with them, though you are putting yourself a little bit of a disadvantage. But what's interesting, Chris, is we talked about last week Ghost Rider. I think Ghost Rider is a decent fit for the Guardians of the Galaxy because there's cheap characters all around him. If you're attacking them, Ghost Rider's getting fed, right? He's giving out conditions. He's doing all these things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, inversely with Punisher, it's very different, but he fits as well with this format. If you're going really wide with Guardians, mainly running all threes and twos, which you typically should do if you're doing Guardians. You got Drax out there. You got Groot. You got Rocket. You got Nebula. You've got maybe an Okoye or a Black Widow. You're going real wide. You got a Punisher. Well, you know how many characters you have out and how many dazes and KOs that is? That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, man. And they're going to die because that's what happens to the Guardians. You're trying to swarm the board and you're trying to hit above your weight class when it matters. That's what's important with the Guardians. So you're obviously just proccing his punishment tokens. And that's the main reason you take him to Guardians. But also, you know, winging it tokens, like burning a tax card and getting a bunch of rerolls on Punisher's attack and defense. It's good. It's not like game changing, but like when you do it, it might matter, you know? So I like him there. I like him there. And I think he's a good fit there. And once again, if you're running really wide with guardians and you're taking a bunch of guardians, like you're not going to have any affiliation problems. You're not going to run any issues there with Frank, not helping your affiliation. If that makes sense. You know, you're not going to say, Oh, I need Bucky instead of Frank. Cause Bucky is a rogue agent or taskmasters is a rogue agent. You're just going to say, I've got plenty of guardians, you know, and I'm just going to have Frank out there too. Also when Ronan dies, he likes to attack people before he dies. <laughs> and then you get a punishment token. You know, there's a lot of cool things going on there. You know, Ronan could be at a, on objective contesting it. And they're like, do I attack Ronan? I don't know, but they just go ahead and do it. So he's not winning the objective. Ronan gets his short move and his free attack. And then Punisher gets a punishment token because Ronan was dazed. Now Punisher is good to spend punishment tokens on his turn and maybe snipe that opponent who just took that objective from Ronan. There's a lot of things, you know, and I think it works. If you say it works, I believe you. I've had success with it and I will test more of it in the future. But, you know, what guardians do need is more twos and more threes. So anytime you're taking twos and threes on your guardians lists, you're doing the right thing. They need to go wide. They just have to. Chris and I have talked many times on this show about the affiliation leadership is not really necessarily what the affiliation is. It's the makeup of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the makeup mm -hmm. of the team. And Star-Lord being a three threat leader is already a big statement right out the gate. You know, he's a cheap leader. You're going to have a cheap team. That's just kind of how it goes. And why not go super cheap and super wide? And that's what Guardians excel at, you know? So it's an interesting place for Punisher and 
certainly. But you know, those are his main places, Chris. I think with him, it's like you want to deal damage. So any team that's going to help you deal damage or get more punishment tokens, those are typically a good place to go. I like dealing damage. I know you do. I think you really like Punisher with your playstyle too. I think you need. To- that's kind of what I've been thinking this whole episode. You need to play him some more. Oh, I think he's. I think he's going to make it into my bag. It's like we've talked about before, Chris, with MCP. MCP sometimes is a very quick game. Sometimes it's very long. It's all six rounds. But like at worst, Punisher is a guy sitting on objective scoring every round for you. And at medium to at best, you know, people are coming to him and he's shooting them a lot. Right. And he's staying alive. And he's getting punishment tokens as the game goes on. Now, we will say that's obviously one of his weaknesses. If he gets killed early, you didn't really reap the full game benefits of punishment tokens, you know? Because you've almost got to think about punishment tokens as just like a bunch of intangible dice off to the side of the board that you're saying, as the game progresses, you're going to be able to grab these and just add them to things, you know? But you have to be alive to do that. So like I said, no shame in just spending rounds one and two with Punisher scoring a safer objective and letting him build up some power. That's exactly what I was thinking. And you just nailed one of the biggest flaws in my game on the head. What's that? Not staying back. Mm. I'm trying to have the entire enemy team dead by turn three. MCP is hard because if you stay back too much, you just auto lose objectives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the juggling I've been trying to do. It's tough, and that's what makes it a great game, right? It's like you can't just let your opponent just move all their models to objectives and just win the game by scoring, but you also can't just fully dive in on their team and and neglect your own objectives and then potentially die yourself, you know? But, you know, that's why the Black Order exists, to do that strategy, Chris. Truth. But then also with the Black Order, you only have a couple models. And if you don't execute it perfectly, you're in trouble, too. So there's a lot of nuance in this game. And I love it. I love it so much. And I I think Punisher is a strong candidate for sitting on the safest objective you can for some time. Because he's got that sniper rifle attack at range 5. And most characters don't have a range 5, Chris. So, you know, at worst, he's scoring for two or three rounds. And then he's spec-opping up round four or something, and then he's starting shooting, you know? That's okay. He scored you a lot of points to that point. And also, he probably got some punishment tokens because other people were being dazed, but the Punisher does not need to be on that middle objective. That needs to be your Luke Cage, you know, on the three-threat world. Right. So there's a lot of different things going on here. A really fun character, and I think he benefits on a lot of teams. It's just him not being affiliated is a unique puzzle for the player and the community. And that's what makes it fun? Certainly, Chris. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. And of course, Chris, I did not talk about this in intro because I knew we needed to get into Punisher, but I will talk about it now. So hopefully listeners have stayed to this point. I know not all of you stay to the end, and I wish you would because sometimes sometimes we throw some interesting things here, like I'm about to say now, and that's... I have started streaming again because everyone in my play group here is fully vaccinated, like as in over a month out from their second dose. And, you know, we've been playing out in the garage with the, you know, of course, the windows open, all this stuff. It's, it's been great. And I, I'm looking to get streaming fully going again. It's, you know, it's crazy that it was fully going right before COVID and then, you know, just the, how far that set us back, but we're back into it. We got a lot of gear. We, a lot of things we're working on. And I did stream recently. Some of you came on and watched was very exciting. I played with Seth, one of our best local players, I will say in Tulsa. And of course the guy who recently won went undefeated and won the entire star Wars Legion Dallas tournament. It's a pretty exciting thing, but yeah, Seth and I were streaming on the Hydra moon base, which is one of my boards I made during COVID. And it was a 
neck and neck game, Chris. I will not spoil it if you want to watch it on the Twitch stream VODs, but I will say it went to the end of round six. That's a good sign. And the points were neck and neck. And I may have forgot some crucial things with the Brotherhood because it turns out you haven't played MCP in person in a long time. And you're also streaming and you're also running equipment and you're also outside and it's hot. And there's a lot of things. Sometimes you forget some uh, special Brotherhood things. And I forgot a couple, you know, but that's all right. You know, Mm. I'm trying to learn the Brotherhood right now. I'm trying to get deep into this team before Scarlet Witch is fully assembled and painted in my hands. And then the box of learning where she fits in brotherhood. And it's, it's a crazy thing. I can't wait. I can't wait to figure it out, but check out our streams. We're hoping to stream again soon. So if you're not following us on the Twitch, it would be a huge help to us to follow us there. So you get a notification. We went live. I didn't let anyone know we were going live or anything. We just went live. So I'd like more people to be ready. This is something we want to do more often now that Chris and I are in the two week format and time will tell, but I'm hoping we can. So once again, you can follow us Hope on so social media that's of course on twitter at fury's finest cast and instagram and facebook at fury's finest if you need anything or you have some inquiries for the show email us at fury's finest at gmail.com and of course if you haven't done so yet or you know maybe you don't have an apple device but maybe your family member or partner or friend do neighbor this is a big thing chris when more than half of our listeners are android users you know Android users, they can't give us reviews, you know? So leave us a review on the Apple podcast platform. It'd really help us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please remember, help spread the word about our show. Rate, review, and subscribe. I know a lot of new people have been finding the show and finding MCP. So it's never bad to spread word of the game and these great content creators we have for the game. Of course, we're on the crossthebifrost.com Nexus Hub. So that's always a good place to check out us and other content creators. We try to always post our episodes there alongside all these other great members of our community. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J S S E E A K I N. And I have a Star Wars podcast called The Canon Cantina. Check that out. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C H R I S B R U F F E T T. There you will probably see me tweet about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just a little bit. Well, that's what's on my mind lately. This is a fun episode, guys. We're happy to be back and. You know, stay tuned for more of these street level characters, but also stay tuned for our big news roundup. There's a lot of things to talk about very soon, and then we'll have a lot of things to talk about in another in another month. So just make sure you're subscribed and stay tuned. But until then, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Tin Buck says you're wrong. 